Good morning. Please be ready with me. Have your Bible open to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. I've planned something for us this morning that's clearly taught in Scripture, yet may not be well understood and practiced by many with the diligence that it deserves. To introduce this, I need for us to listen carefully to what the Holy Spirit caused Peter to write in 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm reading verses 1 through 11. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who were dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. There are passages like this all through the New Testament. And you could write at the top of a piece of paper this phrase. Christians are people who. And then you could use these passages to make a list. Let's do that with 1 Peter 4, 1 through 10. Christians are people who have decided not to give in to the flesh, but to live for the will of God, even if we are maligned. And so we will be self-controlled and sober-minded. We will keep loving one another, show hospitality, use our gifts to serve and speak the oracles of God. And why? That God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Now, what we've done is a quick run-through of this text. 
I think we've captured the main idea, and it expresses the challenges in practical terms Christians face every day. That's the context in 1 Peter 4, 1 through 10. Now, there are obvious applications right here on the page in 1 Peter 4 that capture our attention and challenge us and perhaps convict us. Reject a life of fleshly indulgence. Instead, live for the will of God, and that means self-control, sobriety, loving one another, being generous, and speaking the oracles of God. That's all there for us to absorb and review and put into use day after day as God's people. But here's a part of this text I want us to focus on this morning. Listen again to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Here's what I want us to address from the passage. What have I received from God that I can use to serve others? What have I received from God that I can use to serve others? Now there is a time-limited application of this in the apostolic age back in the first century, knowing that God gave the apostles and a few other Christians certain gifts or abilities, and they were to use those to serve. Ultimately, that God may be glorified. Now, the unlimited application is, what have I received from God in my life now that I can use to serve others? To serve and equip my children to grant a rich spiritual legacy to my children's children, to make every effort, as Peter said, to train the next generation, to teach the lost, to encourage the faithful, to finish strong and go to heaven. God has been gracious to us. As good stewards, we ought to be gracious and generous to each other and to those who will step into our places after we are gone. What has God given you that you should be using to serve others? That's the principle in 1 Peter 4.10. I'm going to work that with three examples, three applications. The question is, what has God given to you that you can use to serve others. Number one, the gospel. The gospel of God. Romans 1 verse 1 says, During a meeting one time years ago, I was in the home of a man, his wife, and their son. The son was at home for a few days from college. The young man was polite, introduced himself, and then went off to his room 
And the father spoke to me in the living room after the son went back to his room. And he said about his son, I'm really concerned about my son. He's never obeyed the gospel. The father said, we took him to church. He heard sermons. He attended Bible classes. He's never obeyed the gospel. I said to the father, well, what does he say when you bring up the subject? There was silence. He had never talked to his son about obeying the gospel. About that time, the wife called us to the table. The young man returned from his room, and we all sat down to have the meal together. And during the meal, the father and son engaged in a lively conversation about their favorite subject, NBA basketball. And they knew teams and statistics and players and standings, and it was apparent that father and son connected on this subject of basketball. They'd had these conversations many times. The father had apparently made little or no effort to connect with his son on the subject of obeying the gospel. Never a direct father-son conversation about the most important decision a young person can make. Here's how simple this is that I want to get to. God gave us the gospel. Will we give to others what God gave to us? Will we tell others what God told us about being saved and going to heaven? Now I'm going to challenge us. This last week, how many non-Christians did you talk to? In your contact list for email, how many are not Christians in your neighborhood, in your social circle, in your workplace, in your family? Do you tell people what God told you about how to go to heaven? Are we giving to others what God gave us? Are we telling the next generation are we talking to our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren about Jesus Christ and what they can do to navigate life well and go to heaven? This is part of what it means to be a Christian, folks. And to finish strong, giving to others what God has given to us. Do you believe God has ever helped you? Do you believe God has helped you in your life? Look back over your life and take a quick inventory and consider the storms God enabled you to survive. Consider the temptations you overcame because you relied upon God and the strength of His Word. Do you believe God has helped you in your life? Is he helping you now to understand and do those things written in 1 Peter chapter 4? Aren't we recipients of help from God? Turn with me to Acts chapter 26. 
And of course I know the answer to this question. Each of us will rejoice gratefully as we admit God has helped us. God is helping us. We have prayed and he has answered. We have sought wisdom through his word and we found it on those pages. Certainly God has helped us in so many ways, some unknown to us. God has given us exactly the help we need. The Apostle Paul spoke of this when he stood before King Agrippa. According to Acts 26 and verse 22, he said, To this day I have had the help that comes from God. Can you say what Paul said? Every Christian can say this. We have been blessed in life with the help that comes from God. So, if I want to leave a good legacy to the next generation and finish strong, there is a simple question. Since there is no doubt that God helps me, will I be a helper to others? Will I do for others what God has done for me? Are we giving to others what God gave us? And there may be specific ways that I can help young folks peculiar to my particular talents and skills. I told somebody in a meeting not long ago, I can't help young Christian women learn how to cook for preachers, but I can help young preachers learn how to eat that cooking. Sometimes what we need to do is evaluate what we have to offer. And we may not have to offer the same thing that somebody else next to us on the pew has to offer. What are my skills and my talents? What are your skills and your talents? What have you learned in your personal experience about serving God that could be useful and strengthening to others? There may be some area where I can be helpful that is peculiar to my set of skills and experience. I need to discover that and use it. God has helped me. I need to help others. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. How can you help? How can I help? God has given me the gospel. Can I give to others what God gave to me? God has certainly helped me in many ways. Can I be like my heavenly Father in that regard? This is how you finish strong and impart to the next generation a good, sound, spiritual legacy. And this is how we respond to the good that God has given us. We use that good to serve others. Encouragement. When everything the Bible says about God is taken into account, I mean in a most comprehensive appreciation of God's varied forms of generosity, when we take all that into account, we are encouraged. We have hope as an anchor of the soul. We have in Christ every spiritual blessing we need. 
We have every good and perfect gift. On and on. The result of all that generosity from God to his people is captured by this word, encouragement. So I need to ask us, if God encourages us, shouldn't we be devoted to encouraging one another and the next generation? And of course the answer is yes. Now, here's a challenging and perhaps convicting part of the point that I'm making just here. As we age, there may be some tendency to become an old negative complainer. We see in the world things we never thought we would see. In various forms of evil and violence and injustice and indifference toward God, and we get tired of it. And we may carry some of our own regrets. And body and mind suffers through the aging process described by Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12. So, if we are not well disciplined, instead of encouraging the next generation, instead of encouraging people, we discourage them through our habits of grouchy, testy, negative, bemoaning. God gifts us with abundant encouragement. And you know what he says? He says he loves a cheerful giver. And you know what he says? In Ecclesiastes 3.13, we can eat and drink and take pleasure in our work. Solomon says this is God's gift to man. And you know what he says in James 4 and verse 6? God gives more grace. Are we giving grace? The application is, if God has given grace to me, and if God has encouraged me in my life, am I encouraging my children, my grandchildren, and others that I'm able to influence in the next generation? And here's what the Lord said in Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's the spiritual value of being generous to others, knowing that God has been generous to you. And it all takes us right back to where we started. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves <clears throat> as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him be long glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Think of this text <clears throat> or this sermon highlighting the purpose behind everything we've studied. 
The purpose is identified by this phrase, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's purpose. That's ultimate purpose. It's my purpose. It's your purpose. This is what it's all about. That in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. If you're not living under the beauty of this purpose. If you are not giving what God gave you. If you're not fully engaged in leaving a good spiritual legacy. You cannot finish strong. You start to finish strong the moment you believe in Christ, confessing that faith, you turn from your sin to be baptized into Christ and walk in newness of life. Ideally, your determination as you come up from the water of baptism is to finish strong, to keep the faith, to be ready for the crown of righteousness. And part of that is, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. The old song says, Oh, for a home with God, a place in His courts to rest. Let's be standing as we sing.